What's happening, everybody? This is Alex Osterley, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Food Marketing Nerds. On the podcast today, we've got Rich Hope, who's the CMO of one of the fastest growing restaurant brands in the country, Jersey Mike's. And at over 1,200 locations and counting, we talk about the catalyst for Jersey Mike's growth, and you're going to get to get a little peek behind the curtains on how they're adjusting for the changes in the marketplace. Jersey Mike's has nailed it when it comes to making a great product, but what might surprise you is how the brand has adapted to the advancing tech in marketing and the restaurant industry. If you've yet to embrace marketing technology or are wondering how the fastest growing brands do it, there's plenty of takeaways for you in our interview with Rich. So let's get after it. Welcome to the Food Marketing Nerds Podcast, where we talk marketing, branding, and social media with the smartest minds in the business. Here's your host, Alex Osterley. Rich, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. So can you tell our, our listeners just a little bit more about yourself and, and how you got involved with Jersey Mike's? Sure. My background throughout the years was always in the advertising agency business, working early in my career with a couple of different agencies and then starting my own when I was 30 years old. Had that for uh, 23 years. During that time, got to meet Peter Cancro here at Jersey Mike's and handled that account for about 20 of those 23 years before coming on board here as CMO. And so being on the advertising agency side for some time and then switching over to the client side, was there anything that was the catalyst to that decision? Having known Peter Cancro, the CEO and founder for so many years, I just thought there was something special about him. And I just thought that the company was poised. It had been growing at a fairly nice clip at that time, but I felt like it was poised to really grow. There was a couple of key leaders that were brought in at the time as well. Hoyt Jones, our president among them. And I just thought it was a great opportunity here at Jersey Mike's. It turns out that it, it has been. It's, it's been a great ride. So really, opportunity was the reason why I jumped over to Jersey Mike's. And with that transition, I, I feel like it's almost impossible to get the context of, of what it's like to be on the brand side if you have worked on the agency side your entire life. What were some of the, the biggest aha moments that you had from the perspective of, of working at, at Jersey Mike's? Well, honestly, when it comes to dealing with agencies, having the background, being in the agency business for so many years, I think I kind of was uniquely qualified to work with ad agencies. Essentially, what I do now with our agencies is the same thing that I did with my agency over the years is just trying to keep, you know, the creative people focused on, you know, what my agenda is or what the real objectives are, you know, where we're going, what our goals are. Agencies at times tend to, you know, go off on tangents. They like to be creative, but as long as that creative is laser focused to your objectives, that's when it works the best without, by the way, really, you know, stepping on the creativity. That's, that's the key. You can't, you can't just thwart everything and say, you know, bad creative, you have to have a good reason for it to say it's a bad creative. And, and I think agencies like that too, because if they know what the objective is, if they're clear on that, then their creative can speak to that. It's a great thing for a company to be able to keep focus, but I also think it's a great thing for creative people because it really, that's the way I think you get the best creative is having the agency keep on track, go in the right direction, but not have their hand tied by the client. So that's what I try to do. That makes sense. And I think that's a, that's a perspective, having worked on the agency side for so long, that you, you get that, I guess, the, the empathy of saying, okay, this is why you need to change the creative versus that's not going to work. We're back to the drawing board. Right. Correct. Exactly. You try to be objective driven and say, are we really achieving our goals and objectives here, or are we just having something that's funny or cute or whatever, but is the objective met? And I think that's, that's the key to great creative is having something that is, you know, creatively inspiring and entertaining and something that you want to watch, but also keeping the objectives in mind. 
And so your role over these past few years, transitioning over to the the role of CMO for Jersey Mike's has obviously changed. How has the role itself, have you seen it change over the past several years? Well, yeah, I, I think that the biggest change for the CMO has been trying to keep up with technology and getting to know the CIO very well in your company and, and getting to be friends with the CIO because it'll only help you out in the long run. 65% of our web traffic goes through a mobile device. <laughs> it didn't exist wow. seven years ago. So we're all trying to keep up with that. When I go to conferences with other CMOs and other you know, marketing directors, that's a topic that comes up constantly is there's so much that changes constantly with technology, kind of weeding out what is going to stick around, what's going to change. I mean, you know, if everyone jumped on QR codes a couple of years ago, they probably would have, they would have been mistaken because QR codes came and went very quickly. And not that they're, they're not still used, but for a while you saw them everywhere. Now you don't. So much of that comes and goes that you really have to sift through everything and try to figure out what's going to stick, what's here for the long term, what can I invest in that's going to pay me back today, but not be gone tomorrow. So those are some of the challenges that I think we're going to continue to have as technology just, you know, accelerates at exponential levels. Do you have a, a, a process or does Jersey Mike's have a process as far as, as vetting a new a new technology or a new, I guess, emergence of QR codes is a great example. It's interesting to see that that concept have a kind of a rebirth with Snapchat codes and the Facebook Messenger codes, et cetera. But is there a way that you vet what might be a, a good tech or a good uh, trend to start exploring further? Well, we develop a lot of technology in-house. We have a fairly robust technology department. Our POS system was developed in-house. Every one of our restaurants has the same POS system. We gather a tremendous amount of data that way. So by nature, we're kind of an in-house technology company. We try to be. So when we have to go outside for something new that we're not ready to develop in-house, the first thing we generally do is wait. You know, we, we try to wait it out a little bit. It's a tightrope you walk between being a leader in technology, being out before someone with some things, which we've been fortunate enough to, you know, we were one of the first to have an electronic loyalty program. And, uh, you know, our texting program was early in the going. So we, we adapted things that we thought were definitely going to stick around, but not, not immediately. For instance, when we started doing our texting, we used an outside company and slowly brought that in-house and developed our texting in-house. Same thing with online ordering. You know, we used a third-party online ordering company for several years before we decided to develop it in-house. So as far as vetting the companies, you know, same process we use with, with any partners, a lot of it has to do with chemistry. A lot of it has to do with their wherewithal and, and their strength within in, in their own market. But um, that said, I mean, you can still you can still make a mistake. If anyone has a great way to do that, please let me know. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like a, a little bit of investment with third parties, kind of exploring the the viability of a of a new concept, and then if it proves to be effective, it's you guys can start to explore building something of your own. That's pretty much been the process that we use in the past, yes. That's that's interesting. And I've heard quotes before that every company is a content company that sells X or every company is a tech company that sells X. And in your case, it sounds like you're really taking the, the idea of, of being or having a centralized technology hub to help you grow and sell more sandwiches and, and uh, service your clients or your customers more efficiently? I think to a great extent, that's very true. Everyone needs to be up on technology. Technology plays a role in every single company now. But I, I think 
that that can be overdone a little bit, people saying that, because truthfully, we're a restaurant. We, we serve our customers great food. We want the in-store experience to be great. So essentially, we still focus on you know, our stores, people coming into our stores, our cruise greeting people, making a great sub sandwich, you know, high quality product and, and making our customers happier when they leave than when they came in. That's what we do. So we, you know, we need technology, but really we can't lose sight of the fact that we're a sub shop and, and we sell great subs. And it, it's clearly paying off. I and mean, before the call, you'd mentioned Jersey Mike's rapid expansion, especially over the past few years with your tenure as CMO. What is the the growth trajectory and and how how much have you guys grown over these past few years? Well, we've we're just about to open our 1200 store sometime before the end of the year, I believe. And um, gosh, when I started, I think we were at around 500. That's a little over six years ago. So obviously, our growth has been very very rapid. And um, I just think you know timing was right for us in a lot of ways to explode. But the basis of you know the really the catalyst of our growth has been our great product, like I said, made the right way, you know, prepared fresh, you know, fresh sliced, fresh grilled, fresh produce, et cetera. And then just really a great business model where, where people can make good money if, if our stores are operated properly. It's a very good business model. So th- those are really the two things I think that have fueled our growth. And the percentage of corporate owned versus franchisee owned, what is that? The vast majority are franchises um, out of 1,200 stores, about 30 are corporate owned and the rest are, are franchised. And from a, an operations and marketing standpoint, what are the, the challenges that come with having primarily franchisee owned stores? Or well, I, guess, I guess a better um, way to phrase that, what, what challenges with marketing for a franchisee location are there versus corporate? Well, really, we're all about our franchisees. I mean, we're really a franchise company. We love our franchisees. We want them to grow. Uh, we want them to be successful. Essentially, we treat our corporate stores as franchisees. They give to the same ad funds. They participate in the same programs. So there's very little different in terms of of the marketing or operations of our corporate stores. Franchisees are great. We love them. We have everything from single store operators to large multi-store operators. There's great operators on every single level, whether they're a large multi-unit operator or, or a smaller operator. I would say that we have a tremendous culture and positivity in our franchisees right now. They've been able to create opportunity for top managers, et cetera, when they expand. Some of them participate in ownership of stores. So we're really at at a point right now where we're creating opportunity for a lot of individuals. And as long as we can continue to do that, we're going to continue to grow and thrive, I think. And I think that's clearly a testament to the quick growth that you guys have experienced over these past few years, especially. Are there any other catalysts to, to growth that you can point to and say, this is one of the main reasons why we're growing so fast? Well, 50% of our growth has been from within. Existing franchisees opening a second store, or third or fourth, fifth, et cetera. So throughout this growth period that we've had, about 50% of it has been fueled from within. That, I think, is a testament to you know our business model and, and our product as well. And so as far as the, the differentiators go, I mean, there's, there's a few sub shops out there on the market. So what are the, the main differentiators for, for Jersey Mike's and, and how do you guys get that message out there? Well, it's about quality and preparation. Those, those are the two things. You know, we have the highest quality proteins in the business. Uh, I, that's not coming from me. That's coming from our providers, really, um, our protein providers. You know, our turkey is 99% fat-free. We're moving to an antibiotic-free product in January. We should have that in our stores and we're promoting that in the spring. So um, where other concepts have 
said they're going to get antibiotic-free by 2019 or 2025. We're going to have it this year in our turkey product and hopefully expand that offering through other meats as well. So things like that differentiate us. Really, our marketing platform right now is uh, our slogan is the sub above, and we're promoting right now the sub above difference, which really dissects our entire offering in terms of our preparation and fresh slicing. Our slicer is something that certainly differentiates us. We slice right in front of our customers. We prepare the sandwich right in front of our customers. Uh, We fresh grill our products. None of our cheesesteaks come out of a microwave or out of a steam table. They are fresh grilled to order. So those those type of things really set us apart. And I think there's without a doubt the the product is a is a great differentiator. With getting that message out around the markets where you're opening new stores, are you guys doing traditional ad buys or is it more focused on digital? How do you guys get the awareness around a, a new opening? Well, new openings are really for the most part. Yes, we do some media, we do some digital, we do some Facebook ads, et cetera. But for the most part, it's a grassroots effort where uh, we, for three or four days before the store opens, we grassroots the neighborhoods, we hand out free sub cards. Every store opens with a partner that's a charity partner, and the cha- we mm-hmm. donate a um, dollar for every free sub. So come in for a free sub for the four days that we're opening. We open on Wednesdays. So Wednesday through Saturday, you have one of these cards that are grassrooted. You come in, you get a free sub, you give a dollar donation to the local charity that we're supporting. So that's really... The key to our opening, we try to give away subs, we try to partner with a charity, we want people to come in and try our product, and we hope that once they try it, they love it and they come back. And the, the openings aren't the, the only times you guys are partnering with charities. From our conversation for the interview itself, it sounds like you guys have a, another event coming up. Our biggest marketing event of the year, and really our, it kind of kicks off our year in March every year, is our month of giving. Last year, we partnered with about 120 local charities throughout the country. We raised over $4 million for those charities last year alone. Wow. This year will be our seventh annual month of giving. And the program now has raised over $14 million for local charities. So we, we love that. Our franchisees are very, very community oriented. They believe in giving back. They believe in supporting their community. Uh, it's part of our franchise recruitment process that people need to understand that when you're a Jersey Mike's franchisee, you give back. That's part of what we do. And we really feel that that's ingrained us in, in the communities that we serve by caring about a local charity that the people in that area care about. That's something that we're pretty proud of. And um, our day of giving, every one of our franchisees gives 100% of sales that day to that local charity. So wow. that day alone, we raise, we, last year we raised over $3 million in that one day. That's incredible. So the other million is raised by our customers that come in and donate. But that one day, our franchisees give everything. Everything that comes into the store uh, goes out to the charity. Wow, that is incredible. So, I, that, I mean, that is we, we that think, in itself. We, we think so. <laughs> Just having everyone buy into it, which is, is pretty amazing. Other, other franchise concepts come to me and say, How, what do you have to do to get everybody to do that? That seems like you have to twist some arms or buy people off or whatever. And it's, it's really not. It's, it's just a testament to how caring our franchisees are. They want to be involved in this. They look forward to that day. It's crazy. Uh, we do 40% more business that day than, than we do any other day of the year generally. Wow. So their busiest day of the year, they're giving everything away to charity, but they're more than willing to do that. And we hope that there's a halo effect and we hope that people come back, but that's not really why we do it. We do it to help the local charities. You know, we, we have a slogan that's a give to give. And that's, that's what we try to do. Just give to help people. And uh, we just believe that 
it'll probably come back to us, but that's, that's really not why we do it. That's a great differentiator and a, a, a way to identify potential franchisees, whether or not they're willing to do that. Are people coming to you guys to open a franchise or are you doing outreach efforts? How, how does that work? Well, we do a certain amount of outreach, but I honestly, most of the franchisees that we have at some point along the way, tried our product and loved our product. Yes. I mean, a lot seek us out. Um, we, we have the normal outreach programs. We do some advertising, you know, we do some digital, et cetera. We go to trade shows, but a lot of it comes to us as well. Hmm. And segueing over to, to the digital strategy, I know you guys are very, um, have a very solid foundation in, uh, in technology. With social media, how does that play into your overall marketing strategy? And are you able to gauge and measure the effectiveness? You know, our brand has a very passionate, almost cult-like following to some extent. So we, we, have, we have fans that just love us. They love our product all around the country. We know how important social media is in, in keeping those customers engaged. Uh, recently, there's a company called Foodables that does every month they do an um, analysis of every restaurant's social media impact. And actually, in November, we were number 12 on that list, which I was very, very happy about. We've been on the list now for several months and moving up and moving up. Hope to crack the top 10. But, you know, number one, two, and three on that list, I think, were um, Starbucks, Chick-fil-A, and Panera. So some really, really impressive players. We measure, you know, the growth of our following and our engagement. And that's basically the metric that Foodable uses. So, yeah, we're able to track it pretty carefully. We don't really go after numbers as much as engagement, but the numbers seem to grow kind of organically. You know, those are our two major metrics that we track. We also track positive versus negative comments, which are, you know, for the most part, overwhelmingly positive. But we also respond to any negative comments to our customer relations department. And we certainly don't like to have any unhappy customers. So uh, whenever we can reach out and, and try to get a customer back, that's certainly what we do. And so is that and I actually did see that that foodable report. So that congrats. That's a that's it's big to be on that that list next to people who are these huge corporations who are spending, yeah, an ungodly amount of, of we're budget. pretty happy. Out of curiosity, are you guys responding to? For me personally, if I get onions on my sub to go, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pretty bummed. If somebody complains and says I mm-hmm. I got something was wrong with my order on on at this location, is that handled by corporate or is that franchisee? Yeah, we'll discover it through a couple of tools that we use to flag negative, any negative uh, comments on social media. If there's a way to contact the person, which there usually is, we'll take them offline. We'll put them into our customer relations department and we will contact that customer one-on-one and try to resolve the conflict, apologize for any, you know, anything that we may have done that upset them, offer them a free sub and, and ask them to go back. And at the same time, we contact the franchisee let the franchisee know that they also can reach out to this customer and again, try to invite them back into the restaurant and correct anything that we may have done that, that made them upset. Hmm. And so just curious, it sounds like you guys are, are measuring the, the impact of, of the engagements and, and impressions for, for social media. Aside from sales and revenue and, and profit margins, what are some other important benchmarks that you guys are focused on and uh, how do you measure those? Well, the most interesting one, I think, for Jersey Mike's, which is a little different than, than everyone else, is we monitor something called bread count. And bread count is simply the number of, of loaves of bread that you sell in a given time period, day, week, whatever. The thing about bread count that, that makes it so interesting is that it, it spans the ages. So, so 10 years ago or 20 years ago, 
You know, we know how many bread went out of a store on a given day and we can compare it over time because, you know, prices go up. So sales will always grow based on the fact that prices go up um, unless transactions go way down. So bread count is just kind of our way of, of gauging transactions, more or less, but it's unique to us. So that's something that's kind of near and dear to our hearts at Jersey Mike's over the years. Hmm, that is interesting. I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. Unique. Yeah, that's our, our, you know, our founder. That's the way he looked at sales when he was young and working in the store. And um, that's still the way he looks at sales. So he says, don't tell me the number. I don't want, I want dollars. I want bread. Give me the number of bread. <laughs> So th- there is that deep history with Jersey Mike's and with that culture and brand that's been established over time, is there any challenge with maintaining that, that history of the brand while adjusting to new consumer tastes? Well, you know, the funny thing is I think in many ways without knowing it, we were way ahead of our time years ago by just, just by the nature of making a very, very fresh sandwich. The consumer Tastes have shifted to freshness and fresh preparation and fresh produce and lower fat and and less grease and you know all those things that we did naturally 25 years ago that we didn't know the trends would catch up to us but I think that's kind of happened a little bit now we have as I said the antibiotic free turkey product that's coming out is something that we are shifting with new consumer taste the introduction of gluten free bread for instance is something that also will happen next year. But really, you know, the fresh preparation, the fresh ingredients, the high quality, the type of things that you would have at home as other concepts over the years, downgraded quality in order to try to reach a price point. We never we've never done that. And, and I give all credit to that for our CEO, because he is he's just uncompromising when it comes to downgrading the quality. So essentially, we have the same quality product that we that we had back, you know, 1956, when the first Mike subs opened up, you know, they always bleed in serving the highest quality. And that's, that's what we do. I would agree with you. You guys are definitely ahead of the times and, and what you're doing as far as taking everything internally, doing this, this fresh and prepared in front of you approach. Are there from any of the, the, I guess, market research or uh, any other events that you've been to, are there any other cultural shifts or, or behavioral trends that are influencing the QSR fast casual industry, whether it's online ordering or whatever else it is? Well, yeah, I mean, there, there are a ton of things. I mean, certainly digital online ordering is big in everybody's playbook right now, trying to increase the number of online orders in some way. And we were doing that as well. In some ways, it's a little bit counterintuitive because we love that customer experience of coming in and seeing the product prepared in front of them. But, you know, people like convenience and convenience, I think, is one of the strongest motivators right now for all restaurant sales. People want it um, when they want it. And uh, they want a convenience. They, they want it to be able to order it online. You know, we're looking into delivery because people like it delivered. So there's just so many trends in the fast casual and QRSN industry that we have to keep abreast of and either respond to or not. I mean, one thing about us is that we're a fairly traditional company. You know, we haven't changed a lot. It's just the small tweaks, the, the online ordering. And uh, that's interesting. What's, what is your opinion on, on delivery? And I guess I, I just you see all the Postmates and Uber Eats and... What are your thoughts on that? Well, it seems like the consumer demands it. The consumer wants convenience. Uh, the consumer wants choice, which is why a lot of these third-party deliveries really sprung up is because, you know, instead of just trying to get something from, from one restaurant, now you have a choice of, you know, many, 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 and they'll bring it right to your door. So it's convenient and it's offering choice and all the things that consumers want. Delivery is something that everything that I read uh, says it's going to continue to grow. So it's something that we are paying 
very, very careful attention to right now and testing in some markets. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting shift because the, these third-party companies, are they can be tough to work with from what I hear as far as the, the profit margin that they take and the fees and just the ordering times. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how it all plays out, but I definitely agree. Well, the most successful delivery companies are ones that, that handle it in-house and do a really great job like a Domino's Pizza or our competitor Jimmy John's that delivers very, very well. So it seems to me that if you're going to be in delivery, then you need to kind of be in delivery. So that's 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 the choice that we're going to have to grapple with and probably make over over the next couple of years. That makes sense. Now, there's a, there's a few questions that I ask each of our guests. First one is: Is there anything that you any knowledge that you've gained through just the school of hard knocks and experience that you wish you would have known that would have really helped you out when you first started your your current role as CMO? I think that the one thing that I've learned is, and it's it's very, very difficult for a marketing guy to learn this, I think, because by by nature, marketing people are fairly impatient. You know, just um, we, we want it to happen. We want it to happen quickly. And working with all this technology requires a ton of patience because developing technology is is not a quick process. It's not an easy process. It's a very, very painstaking process. As you know, Microsoft releases their software and then every week they release updates because it's very difficult to get it right the first time. I, I wish I'd known how much patience it takes to work with technology because that, that is the one thing where I wish it could all happen a little bit quicker. But I understand. I'm learning. That's not always the most prudent way to do it, that it, it does take time to develop really good technology. How much have you learned as far as the, the technology space goes over these past few years? I would say that I learned more than I ever thought I would have to learn. Um, actually, I've gotten kind of well-informed about it. Of course, I don't do any of it, but I, I've, I've learned to talk the lingo and talk to technology people. And again, that was a painstaking process. In the beginning, I would have to say, hey, guys, just remember, I'm in marketing. I'm dumb. Just dumb this down <laughs> as much as you can. Talk to the dumbest person you know, okay? <laughs> and uh, they did. They were very nice about that. And I've start, I started to pick up on it. So, um I think I've learned quite a bit um, just you have because you have to because you just can't you can't operate in marketing anymore without understanding the digital arena. And I mean, people throw around that word digital and it's it's just such a huge umbrella with so many things under it that one person could say digital and another person. And they're, they're talking about two different things. They both call it digital. You know? So you really have to you're learning, you know, learning the lingo, learning to talk the technology language, I think, is something that a marketing guy can hope to aspire to. And that's, that's what I work on mostly and be able to communicate as well as possible with technology people, again, to try to keep them on track, just like a creative person, keep them focused on what's important in the marketing world and, and why we're trying to do what we're doing. With all these different projects going on and, and your workload, are there any productivity hacks or tips or tricks that you use on a daily basis to help you get your work done? It's really funny. I didn't even really until I saw your questions. I didn't really even know what a productivity hack was. I had to Google it. So, <laughs> and I said, "Hey, I do some of these things." One of them was, you know, don't look at emails first thing in the morning. I do. I try. That's one thing I do every day. Is I get an enormous amount of emails, and I try to wipe them out first thing in the morning before I have breakfast. We eat here. I come here. I wipe everything out. Then I have breakfast. Then when I come back, they start building up again. But I don't look at them again until I have 200 sitting in my inbox. 200. So I try to manage it that way by not being a slave to it. But I get 200 probably in 
two hours. I get about a hundred an hour. Wow. So Unbelievable. Um, every, every two hours I got, you know, and unfortunately most of them are deletes, but I do not respond to salespeople through email because it would take all day. I try to decide what I need and look for what I need rather than tell, having people email me and tell me what I, what I need. The other thing that I, I prescribe by, and, and I read about this in one of the articles, but I do this and I didn't know it was called this, but the two minute rule the idea of something can be dealt with right now, immediately, and get, got off your plates and move on. I try to do that as much as possible. I exercise as much as, much as possible because I feel like uh, I, I need that to relieve the stress and kind of keep my head in order. And I really believe in short meetings with few people when possible. I know sometimes larger meetings are necessary. I never like a meeting to go over an hour. I think that productivity in meetings goes down drastically after one hour. I shoot for 30 minute meetings with no more than four people because I think you can get more accomplished that way. And I like to leave meetings with specific tasks outlined along with deadlines. Is there a book that you've read that you always recommend to people? I'm a big Malcolm Gladwell fan. And I, I, I think I like Outliers is my favorite. I recommend him as an author to everyone. And I think if I had to recommend a book to start with, it would either be Outliers or, or Tipping Point. Yeah, I do love Malcolm Gladwell. His Outliers is, is interesting. That's a really yeah. common, commonly read author within CMOs and, and marketing people, I have to say. I believe it. So where is the best place to, for people to go to find out more about Jersey Mike's, whether it's looking into franchising or where you guys uh, publish what you have going on? Well, of course, jerseymikes.com is a good place to start. They can find out anything they'd want about our menu, our brand, our history, how to franchise, etc. They know all of our social media pages, you know, Facebook, Instagram is a fun place to look at some pictures about us. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe hungry. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rich. It's, it's been great to talk to you and, and hear what Jersey Mike's is doing to, to differentiate itself and, and set you guys up for success. Alex, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Enjoy the time. Thanks for listening to the Food Marketing Nerds Podcast. For interview transcripts or to download your free social media ebook, check out foodmarketingnerds.com.